Hey, good morning, Crossroads. <clears throat> Happy New Year. Excited about a new year uh, worshiping and serving our God with you guys. I figured we'd do something a little different this year, and that while I'm preaching, I'm just going to have some backup singers. <laughs> that sound good to y'all? Uh, no, I wanted to bring uh, Donna Burns and, and Bethany Tully up here because uh, a few months ago we transitioned in our children's ministry, and we're uh, seeking God's new leadership for that ministry, and we're excited to announce, some of you already know this because you've been uh, following their leadership, but these are our two new leaders in our XRK children's ministry. Really excited about them. They love Jesus. They love your kids. And they're going to make a significant difference with your help to, to see kids come into a relationship with Jesus and grow and flourish in that relationship. And listen, uh, Donna and, and Bethany are co-directors, and, and they, would, they would just say they would love to partner with you as parents to, to help raise their kids towards Christ. And if you want to be a part of a ministry that, that is impacting kids Life on life in a very real way. Uh, I could tell you last year we baptized a whole bunch of kids because they came to find Jesus at this church and through your, through your homes. Then, uh, then come see one of them and they, they can tell you more about what it's like to be a part of XRK. I just want to say I've already started enjoying working with you guys and can't wait to see what God's going to do. So let's just give God thanks again for, for these guys. Thank you all. Bless you. Decision. Questions for you as we kick off uh, a new message here. Do you have a big decision facing you in 2023? Do you have some unanswered prayers that you're still waiting for an answer for from last year? Are there opportunities in your life to, to pray and, and seek peace from God instead of, instead of being overwhelmed by worry and fear and doubts? Are you open to God using you this coming year in a way he's never, ever used you before? Now, I'm guessing most of us can say yes to at least one of those questions. And listen, if your answer is D, all the above, I know why you got up early on New Year's Day. <laughs> like, you got a lot on your mind. And can I tell you, uh, there's really only one solution to all those questions, and it is to seek God. And seek his face in prayer. And I, I wrote this message not knowing that there was going to be a huge prayer service down in Atlanta last night. Some of y'all called it the college football playoffs. <laughs> but can I tell you, they had shots of the stadium and people, it was silent near the end. And I knew what everybody was doing. You mean it. Praying like you mean it. Because I, I don't think there's anyone in this room that doesn't pray. But we're going to look at how God is calling us to pray. Because listen, those questions I asked, those worries and decisions and unanswered prayer and stepping out into new opportunities, those can either crush you or they can drive you to the God who longs to answer our prayers. Can I tell you, uh, the older I get, the more I realize I need God in my life. And can I just be honest with you, the more... Uh, I'm maturing, the more I realize how insufficient I am and how completely sufficient he is. And it's driving me personally to be more of a man of prayer. Can I just cast a little vision for you in your life? God is calling you to be a person of prayer. Can I cast a little vision for our church? God is calling us to be a church that is defined in prayer. Because when we pray, the hand of God moves and he does what only he can do. That's what I'm looking forward to in 2023. So we're going to be looking in the book of Numbers. 
the book of Numbers. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do my best salesman job right here. It's not going to be boring. I promise you it's not going to be boring. It's not a snooze fest coming. Don't, don't check out on me. I feel like the grandfather at the beginning of The Princess Bride. There's sword fighting and, and ships and sailing and true love. Man, there's talking animals and there's blessings and curses and there's fighting and all kinds of cool stuff in the story we're going to look at from God's word today. And just to set the scene, we'll be in Numbers chapter 22. Israel has come out of Egypt, had wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God finally says, it's time to move into the promised land that I'm giving you. And so they asked the Amorites uh, if they could travel through. They weren't after their land. Could we travel through your land to get to the promised land? And the Amorites said, no, we don't want any of that. In fact, we're going to come. And they attacked the Israelites And by the grace of God, Israel defeated the Ammonites and actually another kingdom with them. And then the next nation ahead of them was Moab, the nation of Moab. Moab sees all this, and we're going to just pick up in verse uh, 4 of uh, Numbers 22, and it says this, The Moabites said to the elders elders of Midian, This horde, speaking of Israel, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox, Licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor, near the Euphrates rivers, in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless, King, King Balak, seeing the Amorites defeated, realizes he's in trouble. The, the, the Amorites had actually defeated and taken some land from Moab. He knew they were stronger than they were, and they'd been defeated. He knew he was in trouble, so he, he plays dirty, and he goes and he finds this, uh, this diviner, someone who will come and lay a curse on the people of Israel. And it says this, skipping down to verse 7. It says, The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. And when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. Now, this is where it gets interesting. When, 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 when Balaam is faced with a decision, I want you to realize he was not a follower of the God of Israel. He was not the follower of the God of the Bible. He was not a follower of the God that we think of. He was, he was sort of into the dark arts of magic, if you will, okay? He was not a, a follower of God. But when this decision came on whether he should bless or curse this nation, he calls on the name of the Lord. And if you look at the passage again, it says Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And every time in the Bible it says that, that is a signal telling you it's actually calling the name Yahweh, which is the covenant name of the God of Israel. And so he prays to our God, the God of Scripture, the God of history, the God of creation, the God of Jesus it's interesting. He's faced with a pretty strong pressure. I don't, he's, these people have traveled to come see him, and they said, listen, we need you to come with us. The king has sent for you. So he's facing the pressure of, of peer pressure, saying, listen, there's only one answer we're really looking for. It's time for you to come with us. Oh, and by the way, the other thing is we'll pay a whole chunk of money, and they laid out a lucrative offer if he would just simply come and be with them. 
Can, I just, can we just be honest? That would sway some of us right there. Like, there's money in it, I'm in. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Balaam assumes nothing. This is what I love about where this guy's going. He assumes nothing, and he says, listen, before I c- commit to anything, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to pray to God. I want to see what he has to say about this decision. And so he prays. And in, in this instance, he's, a, he's an example to follow. Because I think so often you and I assume that we have the answer and we, we make snap decisions when we act on those decisions and then we ask God to bless the decision we've already made without consulting his direction in the decision. Don't we? See, he asks, he prays, and we're going to see here, God answers. And so the first thing I want you to see in how you and I should pray, if we're going to pray like a minute, first of all, that we should pray expecting an answer. That you and I, like Balaam, should pray and expect that God is the God who answers. And God answers them, and he tells them not to go. It's clear as a bell. I don't know if that surprises you that that God would speak so clearly to Balaam to say, listen, you are not to go with these men, but it shouldn't. So you and I, as we pray, you and I should pray expecting God to answer. In fact, if you and I are praying and we don't expect answers, then you and I are doing it wrong. Because he's the God who answers prayer. In fact, he makes a promise to answer our prayer. Jesus said in Matthew uh, 16, 24, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. He makes a promise to say, if it's a Christ follower, if you are in Christ and you have a relationship with God through Jesus, then there are certain promises that God makes to you. And one of those at the top of the list is that I'm the God who now answers your prayer. In fact, Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. When you and I pray with faith, we're saying, listen, God, the outcome hasn't happened yet, but I believe you've got the outcome in your hands. And God, the answer hasn't come yet, but I believe most certainly that an answer is coming because you're the God who speaks to his people. And so we pray with faith, expecting God to answer. Now, it usually doesn't come in the first prayer. Balaam had a, had a pretty good deal there. It usually comes later, doesn't it? But I can tell you it comes. As you and I keep knocking and asking and seeking, Jesus said, as you seek, you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. As you and I seek God in prayer, we can and will hear the answer from God. Now, it may not be the answer you want it to be, but the answer will come. And I believe how we view prayer is very closely tied to how we view God. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I should expect that from God. Who am I to expect that from God? See, if you and I view God as a tyrant who's just, he's out to do what he's going to do and he's not really listening or paying attention to what we have to say, he's unconcerned with your life or with my life, we are not going to be motivated to pray or expect God to answer our prayer. 
And if you and I think that, that God is someone who, who may even hear your prayers, but his will is set and, and he's not going to change things because you ask and he's not going to pray like we mean it. He's not going to reveal his will to you because you pray, then you and I are not going to be motivated to pray like we mean it. But listen, if you and I view God as a loving, heavenly father who loves you far more than you realize, who treats you better than you deserve, and who longs to be in relationship with you, and he longs to reveal his will to you, and he longs to walk beside you in the decisions you make in your life, then we'll be motivated to pray. And if that's true, then just like Balaam, prayer ought to be our very first reaction to every single decision facing our life. Every decision. I, I tell people this all the time, and this was a revelation I got years ago. God is not trying to hide his will from you. Isn't that good news? God is not trying to find, uh, hide his will in your life and in my life from us. He's revealed himself through his word, word. He reveals himself in prayer. He reveals himself through the leading of the Holy Spirit. He reveals himself through counsel and wisdom of other believers. And he reveals and he reveals and he reveals. If we'll seek him. So Balaam seeks God. God, what do you want? God says, don't go. Skip down to verse 13. It says, The next morning Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. Now let me ask you, do you think Balaam was nervous to tell him that? I think he was a little nervous to tell him that. These guys had traveled, I did the math, these guys had traveled a long distance, hundreds of miles from east of the Dead Sea all the way up to the Euphrates River to come and get him and said, listen, you've got to come with us. They came a long way to hear no. And on top of that, they have a desperate king who has sent them. They have a desperate country that has sent them. Their lives of them and their families are at stake if this guy doesn't come. They, there was a lot of pressure for him to say what they want him to hear. Despite all that, Balaam does what God tells him to do, which is really the next point I want you to get. When we pray expectantly, here's what we gotta do. When God answers, our part is simply to comply with whatever the answer is. I don't know about you, but a lot of times my next step is why? Tell me more. I said, let me make sure your reasoning and logic is solid, Lord, before I go move on what you said to do. You know what he tells them in verse 12? I didn't read it, but it says, he tells them, you cannot curse Israel because they are a blessed nation. He says, you can't do it. I've already blessed them, so you can't curse them. I'm not going to curse them because I've already blessed them. And so he gives them a little nugget. He gives them a reason. He gives them a little bit of why behind why he says you can't go with them. But he doesn't tell them the whole story. He doesn't tell them about Abraham. He doesn't tell them that they're those chosen people. He doesn't tell them that they're going to possess the land. He doesn't tell them the whole story. And listen, I got news for you. This is hard to hear. But when God tells us yes or no, excuse me, no or wait, he is not obligated to tell us the whole story. He doesn't have to tell us why. He always tells us why. Where does faith come in? 
Every parent knows what I'm talking about. I don't have to tell you why. Just do it. God says, listen, you're not going to go. Well, let's keep reading. Then Balak, like a good king, sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. And they came to Balaam and they said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. So come and put a curse on these people. The king ratchets it up a few notches with more pressure and more money and more reasons for him to just come. Making it hard for Balaam to say no. Stick to what God says. Can you relate to that? It's easy to have faith when the deadline's far away. But listen, it, it be, we begin to second guess ourselves and that, that, that we're doing what God wants us to do when the deadlines get close, doesn't it? And it's a little harder uh, to have faith and a little easier to second guess ourselves when we start feeling alone in our decision or afraid because of what's coming. And it's easy to second guess ourselves when we have doubt that that maybe I didn't really hear from God the way I thought originally that I'd heard from God. And so, so maybe it's just me and not God telling me that. Man, it's so easy to second guess ourselves when everyone else in our ear is telling us something different. But the God of the universe is telling us something new. Say, under those pressures, it's easy to cave. Let's see what Balaam does. But Balaam answered then, even if Balak gave me all of the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Did you notice the pronoun there? The Lord my God. There's something happening in, uh, in Balaam's life that we're going to get to in just a second. There's, I can't do anything against what the Lord my God is saying. See, there was only one factor that mattered to Balaam. What does God say? What does God say? Can I just ask you and me, I'm asking myself, do I, do I live by the same, do you live by the same conviction that Balaam has in this moment? It doesn't matter what my friends say. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what my feelings say. It doesn't matter what my heart's saying. What does God say? Oh God, I pray that we would be people that live with the same conviction that I just want to do what God wants me to do. I am, I am bent on the will of God and I'll settle for nothing less than the best at what God has for my life. That's the only conviction I live by. What does God say? I can't do anything against what God says. And he says, now spend the night here so I can find out what, the, what else the Lord will tell me. And I love this because he, he doesn't assume anything. He's like, I'll pray again. I know what God said, but I'll pray again. And I'm not going to assume that maybe God has something new in mind for me in this moment. Maybe I wasn't supposed to go then, but now I'm supposed to go. So let me pray and seek God again. That night, God came to Balaam and he said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them. Interesting. But do only what I tell you. 
to what God answers, our job is just to comply, right? He says it, we do it. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabites officials, but God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. And the question you got to ask, so God says go, and Balaam goes, and as he's going, God gets mad at him, and you got to go, why? What did he do? And let's be honest, there's zero clues in the scripture why God's mad at him. I consulted a lot of commentaries. The consensus is simply this. There was still a sense in Balaam that he might curse the people of Israel. Like he was going and thinking, well, really? And this is so ironic because he's traveling down the right road, but he's on the wrong path. You ever been there? What I mean is this. Everything on the outside looks fine. Balaam was doing exactly what God was asking him to do on the outside, but on the inside, his heart wasn't in the right place. And listen, guys, it is so easy to be living life where we are going down, we're traveling down the right road into everyone else. It looks like we're doing fine, but you know and I know on the inside, there's something missing and there's something lacking and there's something off. And so sometimes God gets in the way to show you the way. Some of you have been there. God stands his angel right in front of the road and says, listen, you can't go any further until we get this figured out. And I'm going to oppose you. I'm going to stand in front of you. I'm not going to let you go any further until you and I deal with what we need to deal with. Two different times, an angel of the Lord stands in the road Balaam and his donkey veer off the course. The, Balaam, the, the donkey takes him off the road and around the angel. Apparently, the donkey could see the angel or sense him. You know the animal sense thing? And for his trouble, the donkey gets beaten twice. Balaam beats him like a dog, like a bulldog. <laughs> I feel better. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, mercy. The third time he's traveling down this road and the angel of the Lord stops him in the road, but there's nowhere to veer off the path. And so the donkey lies down in the road and Balaam's ticked. He gets beating for it. And so then God does something really crazy and he opens the donkey's mouth and the donkey talks to Balaam. They didn't make this up with Shrek. Donkey. Like, they stole it from this right here. We got talking donkeys in the Bible, okay? Whatever, Shrek. Now, if your animal starts, so this is what happens. Balaam starts arguing with the donkey. If your pet starts talking, making sense, like listen to him. When you listen to him, <laughs> I'd probably listen to him. Like, tell me what you got to say. He starts arguing with the talking donkey why he's laying down in the road. Verse 31 says, Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. It was a good thing Balaam didn't get what he wanted, isn't it? He'd have been dead. 
So sometimes when we're praying and we're expecting God for answers and we're, we're, we're willing to comply to whatever he says, sometimes we just need to thank God for the unanswered prayers that come along in our life where you and I ask for things. We have no idea what we're asking for and we're asking for the, for the wrong thing and the wrong path and the wrong way and what's in it for me and we're asking all the wrong things and God says, I'm not giving you that. I've got something better for you. See, sometimes God closes the door because we're not ready for what's behind the door. And sometimes God opposes and gets in our path because we're not ready to go down the path any further. And listen, this is so key. It's because sometimes he wants to do something in you before you can proceed down the path. You hear me? He can't let you go where you want to go because there's something that you've got to deal with. You need to be bowed down before the Lord and he needs to do business with you before he can take you further down the road. And sometimes God closes doors so he can open up other doors. Sometimes he opposes a path because he's got a, a better path. Now this is hilarious. When I was a senior in college, Senior in high school, I applied to two universities, the University of Georgia and the Georgia Tech. Sent out only two applications. I got accepted into Georgia Tech, which is where I went to school, and I never heard back from Georgia. That was a little crazy to me. I'm like, what in the world? Like, sometimes God closed. So here's what, I, you can insert your own joke there. I have no idea why that happened. But here's what I do know. I was a very nominal Christian. I knew Jesus, but my, I was, and God put me with a Christian roommate who loved Jesus and spent time with him, and I got to watch his life for, for several years. He put me on a dormitory, on the hall of a dorm, in, on, in a campus where you wouldn't expect this, and there were believers all around me, and we began to grow together, and we got in a small group together. My, life, my spiritual life flourished and took off in that place. Now, I, I don't know if that would have happened at UGA, but God certainly had it happen where he put me on the path. He had purpose, and the closed door had a purpose, and the open door had a purpose. Now, to be fair, we can't always go by open and closed doors, right? That isn't the only way God speaks. To be fair, that we cannot simply base every decision in our lives on closed door, open door, because sometimes the door is closed <clears throat> so that you and I will knock and knock and plead and beg and God in his timing will open that door. And sometimes the door is closed because we're not ready for what's behind the door. And God says, be patient and wait on my timing. But listen, we can't always go by open and closed doors. But I want to tell you this. If you are wanting God to speak through open doors, then you can't complain about the closed doors. You just can't. And I learned that very vividly. Um, three years uh, became available for sale, 2009, 2010, right around there, at a really great price. The, the list price was, you know, on whatever website and, you know, marketed. And so we came and we came with an offer. We had already gotten a, a loan secured. And we said, here's your full asking price to buy your church building. And they said, no thanks. And they gave the building to another church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, that one stung a little bit. I didn't like it. I was like, God, what are you doing? And I was mad. 
And I had a friend in the church at the time say, listen, that just means if God says no to this, that God has something better for us later. And I said, I don't believe that. I told him to his face, I don't believe that. And I was upset. And God had to do some things in me in that moment before I could move forward. He said, you gotta be able to trust me when I shut doors. You gotta be able to trust me when I say no. You gotta be able to trust me that I'm, I have more at stake in this than you do, Rod. You can trust me. Six years later, we end up here. God had a plan. He had a better plan. See, I believe this. Closed doors were part of God's plan. For my life, for our church, for your life. They're part of his plan. I'm gonna read one more passage to you. Balaam gets there. He's in a different frame of mind. In, in chapter 24, verse one, it says this. Now, when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not resort to divination as at the other times, but turned his face toward the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the spirit of God came on him and he spoke this message. The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one who I see clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. Balaam kept seeking God and in prayer and something crazy happened. God not only changed the circumstances around Balaam, God changed him from the inside out. God changed him for the better. And when you and I pray like you mean it, we can expect God to change us. We can expect to be changed. Now, I don't know the circumstances around you, but I want to tell you, as much or more as God uses prayer to change the circumstances around us, God uses prayer to change us, fundamentally change us, change what our priorities in life are, change our attitudes and perspectives, change what we love, change what we live for, change what we'll die for. Fundamentally change us from the inside out. And Balaam gives up divination. I mean, that was just what he did. That is what he was a practitioner in the, in the dark arts. And he says, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm a guy who prays to Yahweh. I'm a God who prays to the living God. And I've changed. I'm not like I used to be. And when he changed, he gives up his evil practices. He sees God's will clearly Clearly, he understands God's will for the people of Israel and for his own life. And, he, and it's, it's like it's illuminated of what he understands about what God's doing in and around him. And it humbles him to the place where he can willingly and gladly humble himself before Almighty God. This is what I believe. When you and I pray like we mean it, exact same things happen to us. We give up our old practices, the things in our life we hide in secret, God changes, removes them, renews them, makes you new. We begin to see his will for our lives and for the people around us more clearly than we've ever seen it. And the things of this world don't have the same luster that they used to, and the things of God take on a whole new dynamic in our life. 
and we understand his word. Listen, when we are people of prayer, his word comes alive and it speaks to us. And it's not just a book of history. It's a love letter and the love, the breath of God breathes on us as we read it. And we willingly and gladly humble ourselves before almighty God. Can I just ask you, is there any better place to be than what I just described? I can't think of any better place to be humbled, seeing clearly, being more holy, living in the blessing of God. I believe that's what God wants for you this year, what he wants for me this year, what he wants for us this year. If we'll be people who pray like we mean it, expecting God to answer and following and obeying whatever he says. A couple questions as we close. What are you desperate to hear from God about? What is it? You've been praying about it or thinking about it. What, can I just give you some advice before you get the answer? Go ahead and tell God, whatever your answer is, my answer is yes. I will do exactly what you say to do before the answer comes. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, God, my answer is yes. I'll do it. I don't know about your life because in my life, after that yes, usually the answer will come. In fact, we gave you a spot there on your outline. It says, I'm expecting God to answer, and you fill in the prayer. I'm expecting God to answer this prayer this year. What is it? What breakthrough do you need to see in your family, in your personal life? What breakthrough do you want to see God in him using you in new ways? What is the breakthrough that you're no longer going to be living in worry or fear or doubt? That there's a breakthrough if you'll seek him and expect him to answer. He will. He'll answer. If we'll pray like we've never prayed before. And let me just say, when we pray and we pray with an open Bible, meaning we're reading the word of God, uh, he, he speaks to us in a lot of ways, but if you'll pray as you read and you read as you pray, listen to me, when those two things go hand in hand and you're seeking God, he will say things to you in your, his word as you're praying and, and vice versa, and you're like, that's it. That's the answer. That's what I've been listening for. That's what I've been longing to hear, and it'll be clear as day. He's talking to me. So get quiet, get alone, get undistracted. Everything you got on your to-do list, write it on a tablet and get it off your mind and let the Lord, the living God, speak. He'll answer. Second question is, are you willing to let God change you? That's a big one. Are you willing to let God change you? Your answer is so important to that question. Am I willing to let God change me? If you say no to that question, you're literally handcuffing what God's gonna do or wants to do in your life. God, I'm only gonna allow you to change the circumstances around me and I don't want you to interfere what's going on in here. It's gonna handcuff what he wants to do in your life. See, God may change your circumstances, but I promise you, until we get to heaven, there's work to do right in here. In fact, that's why Jesus came. 
We just looked at the reasons in December of why Jesus came. He came to rescue us from our sin. He came to lay down his life so that you and I, and when he died, we could have eternal life and abundant life in this life right now. But listen, he also came to change, fundamentally change you and me, how we think, what we believe, how we act, uh, our attitudes, our desires. He came to fundamentally change all those things. So just ask yourself two questions. Has God rescued me from my sins? Has he rescued me? Can I tell you, he's willing. Jesus came to lay down his life to rescue you from your sins. Second question, is God in the process of changing me right now? Is there an area of my life he's at work, actively at work in my life? If the answer to that is no, then my question is simply, why is that no? Are you walking down the right path, but you're on the wrong road? Does everything look good on the outside? But is there something on the inside that God is saying, I, I want to do business with you about this thing in your heart that's preventing you from going further in Christ and finding fulfillment in him and the peace that he offers? Is there something missing that only I can give you? Don't let yourself stay there. Follow Jesus. And before we pray, I just want to tell you, I'm calling us to a week of prayer. We've sent out a couple emails, and we've got a sign-up sheet. Monday through Friday this week, the next five days, I'm going to be in here 7 to 9 a.m., and we're going to open up the building to pray 7 to 9. You can stop in for 10 minutes. You can come pray the whole time. I'll pray with you. You can pray silently. You can pray for yourself and your family, for our community, for the church. We'll have prayer guides available. We're going to, I'm calling you guys to come pray that God would work and move in your lives in this community like he's never done before this week. And the next weekend on Saturday, starting at 10.30, we're going to do 24 hours of prayer. This building's going to be open for 24 hours straight. And you can sign up for 30-minute blocks where you come in this room, and we're going to pray for 24 hours straight. And we'll have prayer guides again for you that you would come, and we'll ask God to move and do what only he can do in your life and the people he wants to reach this year. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you are the God who hears and answers every single prayer prayed by faith in the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. So God, it's in his name that we come with authority. There's more than we know. And God, there's things on our heart that we just need to give to you right now. There's things that have been weighing us down that we could carry into this new year and it's gonna steal every ounce of joy if we do it. So Father, I pray for your people right now, those that need to unload a burden to you and say, God, this is no longer mine to carry, but it's yours and I'm gonna trust you for the outcome and I'm gonna lay my yes down before you ever give the answer, yes. Yes, I can trust you and yes, I will obey you. Let me just ask you very plain, has Jesus rescued you from your sins? Will you willingly say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I put my faith in what you've done upon a cross that you died for my sins. I put my faith in the fact that you rose from the dead, that you were the son of the living God. You are my only hope. And I turn from myself and my sin and I turn to you. I wanna follow you. Will you forgive me and lead me? 
Father, I want to pray for your people. God, that would you make us open to you changing us fundamentally this year. That old habits can be broken, new attitudes formed, hope restored, boldness, part of our daily life because we're trusting in you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you want to change us. That's a good thing. Thank you for the um, conviction that we feel. That's from you. We thank you for it. Father, I pray that we'd be a praying people. God, would you grow me this year in prayer more than I've ever grown in this area of my life, I pray. God, would you grow our church to be a praying church? Because we just can't wait to see what you're going to do this year. And we ask for your help in all that we endeavor. Let us do only what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.